you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. You know, I get the question all the time, Conrad, I know you help people save money and you help people refinance, but could you actually help me buy a house? Yeah, buddy. Come on now. Buywithconrad.com is your hookup. And let me give you a heads up. You don't need a huge down payment to buy a house in 2022. In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. There are still loan programs out there that can get you out of your apartment and into a brand new house with no money down. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but buddy, we're doing it pretty routinely. And you don't have to be a veteran, but yeah, we can still help our veterans get into a house with no money down. But more importantly, we're going to help you get on the path to buy a house this year. You see, a lot of times we have these conversations and folks say, well, I've got a little bit of time left on my lease, or I'm not sure exactly when I'll be ready, or how much of a down payment do I need to save up? My advice, don't get ahead of yourself. Let's start the pre-approval process. Let's know what your new house payment could look like. You'll tell us how much down payment you want to have. Maybe the answer is zero. That's cool. And then you'll tell us what you want your monthly payment to be. And then you go shopping for your dream home. But step one starts at buywithconrad.com. And hey, did you know that when you go to file your taxes as a homeowner, you're going to get a statement back from your mortgage company that's going to say, hey, you can write off this amount of interest this year. How much of your rent are you writing off this year? None of it. Oh, and by the way, what's your interest rate on your rent? Well, that would be a hundred percent, pal. You know, you can do better than a hundred percent interest. That's what rent is. Stop throwing your money away. And by the way, we can even help you get rid of your current house and get into a better house. If you already have a house, but you think, you know what? It's time for a new place. We can help you at buywithconrad.com. That's buywithconrad.com. B-U-Y with Conrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And be sure to ask about our green light underwrite. We can actually get your file completely underwritten, and that allows you to negotiate like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I am just rolling, Conrad, rolling. And not in the, you know, urban (laughs) use of the term, but going back to one of my favorite movies of all time, Tombstone. On the streets of Tombstone, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp, the rest of the herbs all gathered to greet each other in the middle of the street. Think Doc Wyatt said, Doc, how the hell are you? And Doc replied, I'm rolling. So I'm rolling. 
That's how I feel today. It's a good day. A lot of good stuff going on, as you well know. A lot of great Some stuff. Some of it going you on. shared with me. Now I'm all fired up. It's 740 in the morning here, and I'm uh I'm ready to fly. So I'm excited. I'm on Cloud9 too. Got a lot of cool stuff coming your way, but today is going to be fun. Uh, we just recently watched the Nitro from Huntsville from 1997. Today, we're going to watch when J.J. Dillon tries to fire you on Monday Nitro. This happened on April 21st, 1997. We're doing it watch-along style. So pull your peacock out and get on over to Season 3, Episode 16. That's April 21st, 1997. Golly, man. I watched this show last night. I know it's 25 years ago, but I think 1997, I've said this forever, but it just further cemented. It's my favorite year in wrestling, 1997. I can't wait. A lot of things change. It could be, I mean, I think looking back now, hearing and reading and talking to, you know, people on the WWE side, um, I think 97 was the most pivotal year in professional wrestling since WWE or Vince McMahon and WWF then decided to kind of roll out the national cable approach because not only did WCW turn around in a big way, that was, that happened in 96 really, but by 97, we were enjoying the benefits of all that success. But I think 97 is what forced Vince McMahon to look at his business model. Look at, look what we had been doing to him for quite a while at that point and the success that WCW was having. And then somewhere in, I'm guessing the middle of 1997, Vince McMahon realized, okay, we've got to change the way we do business. And if you go back and search for it, you'll see an interview where Vince comes out and basically tells the audience, we're, we're changing the game up here, folks. Yeah. We're going to be providing you with a different look. We're going to be providing you with a different approach and that different look and that different approach ultimately was the attitude era and, and everything that went with it. But I think it was 1997 yeah. that convinced Vince McMahon. All right, let's pull the plug on what we used to do and plug in what we're going to do. So re- regardless of how you feel about, you know, where WCW was and WWE was and all the other nonsense that goes along with it. Um, that was to me, with the exception of Vince McMahon decided, screw it, I'm not going to do this territory thing, I'm taking over the world. That was the biggest moment in our lifetimes, as far as I'm concerned. Right behind that was 1997. It was a big-time year. I'm excited that we're going to go back and, and visit some of that. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about current stuff. Uh, I don't know what you saw this week, what you didn't see this week. I had a chance to see some really awesome stuff. Uh I can't say enough about FTR. I don't know that you saw what they did. I know we watched a little bit of the Briscoes match together from ring of honor. I didn't think I could see a better match this week. I loved their match with the young bucks. And I can't believe that those matches were like five days apart. This might be the best week any tag team ever had with FTR. Uh, and we also saw, uh, I didn't get to see the Braun breaker match, but I know you were really impressed with, yep. with how special he looks and, I haven't been watching very much NXT, but I did manage to see, uh, Gunther, the former Walter on NXT this week, uh, him and Brian, and my goodness, he is a different human being and, and he just made his SmackDown debut. I just wanted to see what you saw this week and what you think about, you know, the state of current wrestling right now as our WrestleMania hangover continues. Yeah. I, I mean, I think in a general sense, I think we're all, you know, all boats rise with a high tide and I think WrestleMania 
you know, everything leading up to, it's not just the events, WrestleMania, it's the hype, the build, Undertaker going into the Hall of Fame, and the, there's so much in the stories leading into WrestleMania. It just elevates the entire industry, right? And and I think everybody, not that people don't already work hard, they do, but there's there's an emotional charge that takes place around this time of year. And it just seems like everybody's operating at a higher level. You know, the FTR stuff, I did watch it, you know, when we were together with, uh, in Dallas with you, I did drop in um, Wednesday night and check it out. I watched a fair amount of, of, uh, of dynamite Wednesday night. Um, but I watched it because of FTR, not only yeah. what I saw in Dallas with you, um, but these guys are just so committed. That's the one thing that I noticed, you know, when I, Social media to me is, I take it with a grain of salt, as most people should, but certain people are consistent Mm -hmm. with the way they present themselves to the public. And they're authentic and real. I've talked a lot about Becky Lynch and why I became a fan of Becky Lynch, which is essentially because she did such a great job. And I'm talking about early 2019 with her social media. She stood out amongst the rest. She used social media differently than so many other people. And that's what caught my attention. Well, FTR is doing the same thing in their way. They're not, they're not portraying a character. No. So much. That's who these two guys are. And how do you not become a fan of them? And and then on top of it to over deliver, not only from their execution and their athletic presentation and some of the dynamic things that they do, but they're true to their style, which means they're true to their character. And they're, they're staying true to their entire backstory. Mm-hmm. And I just dig that. You know, I've, I've always been fans of theirs. You know, I, I had a little interaction with them very, very briefly back in 2019 uh, when I was at WWE. But it, it was minimal at best. Obviously, you know, uh, being around AEW just a little bit and hanging around backstage a little bit, got to talk to them a little bit more and more importantly, watch them. Yes. Watch them interact backstage, watch them with their promos. I was just a fly on the wall and I went, wow, these, these two are different, Mm -hmm. not taking away from anybody else, but these two are kind of the real deal. Yeah. They're, they're not trying to be a wrestler. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but they're not trying to be a character. Right. They're just themselves and they love to wrestle, but they're saying so true to their brand, their own individual tag team brand. And as people, you know, I see some of the stuff that, I mean, these are grounded guys. They're not in the, I'm a wrestling superstar ether. Cause that's very, very temporary. It doesn't last long and it's not real to begin with, but when you are able to, to live your real life and your, your work is an extension of who you are, as opposed to being kind of a, mirage of who you are that's the kind of character that i really gravitate towards and we're seeing that with fdr if i haven't already said enough good things about him i don't think i can i can't encourage you enough go check out the match with the young bucks on wednesday it was fantastic but if you didn't see the match in ring of honor with the briscoes my goodness um but talking about our shared experience at AEW, a couple of years ago you and i were backstage uh I think it was 2021 either way. It was right. It was the same day. Unfortunately, that Mr. Jim Crockett passed away 
and they had done a six man tag with Tully and we got a chance to watch them cut a couple of promos. I think they did one for social and one for TV. I don't recall, but I know that Dax got rolling and about halfway through you and I just looked at each other and locked eyes and we didn't have to say anything. We were both like motherfucker. I got goosebumps. Yep. Um, and that's, what's cool about wrestling is when it feels real, you feel it. And there's so much that you can just be like, okay, and it's nice and it's fine. But then every now and again, you feel it. And man, we felt it because he felt it. That was and just going to say that. Yes. I'm so glad you said that there. Therein lies the difference between very, very tan- talented athletic people who never really break out of the pack and talented people, very talented people who rise to the next level that very few people get to small percentage of the, you know, you can be amazingly talented in so many other ways, but if as a talent, if you're not feeling it Mm -hmm. and it's not real to you, it's not real to the audience and the audience is smart enough to see the difference because look, professional wrestlers are not, you know, Juilliard trained actors and actresses, right? None of them are. Some have gone on to become actors and actresses, but for the most part, you know, you're learning as you're going, growing, I was about to say, but some people just have it. And part of that is staying true to who you are and, and not trying to portray something you're not. That's a, that's an art. You have to be really good at that in order to convince the audience to believe it. That's acting. But when you're able to just be yourself and, and what you do in the ring is an extension of what you truly in the marrow of your bones believe you go off on a different ride. And that's again, not to continue to sing their praises, but that's, and there are others that are like that, but FTR, I think right now in this moment with a heightened awareness of wrestling and everybody competing for attention, these guys broke away the fuck out of the pack. Not that they weren't doing it before, but it just became more noticeable all of a sudden. Go check it out. Hope you guys dig it. And, uh, we're hoping that, uh, you're going to enjoy what we're doing today. I love watching old nitros with Eric. I hope you'll watch along with us one more time. We're going to be watching season three, episode 16 on Peacock. It's April 21st, 1997. But before we, we talk about that show, I briefly want to tell everybody about something that Eric and I have been doing in our real life. I'm talking about sleeping better than ever. Uh, as you're watching this or listening to this right now, I'm headed out for my daughter Morgan's last spring break. I can't believe this is real. She's going to be 18 next month and, uh, or later this month. And I know that next year she'll be doing it with her friends in college and doing keg stands or whatever kids do on spring break. So uh, this is the last time that I get to go do spring break with her and uh, I'm going to sleep easy because I'm taking chili sleep with me. Chili sleep. Yes. Is a staple in my life every single day here at home, but I've even got one on the road. Now I know what you're thinking. Are you taking a mattress topper to a Airbnb? Yes, I am because I know I sleep better and science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep is going to repair your muscles after a hard day's work. It's going to improve your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. And that's, what's most important to me. And I have to admit before chili sleep, I slept like five or six hours a night and I didn't feel like I wasn't getting enough sleep. I didn't know any different. 
with chili sleep, I'm sleeping eight, nine, sometimes 10 hours. Now that sounds crazy, but I used to view sleep as almost a, I have to do it. It's a necessary evil. I just work mm-hmm. until I pass out. Now I look forward to it. It's something I get to do pre chili sleep. I didn't dream. I know that sounds corny and hokey, but I have like vivid, colorful dreams. Now that tells me I'm getting the best quality sleep. I feel better than ever. I'm more productive than ever. I have more energy than ever. And I give all that credit to chili sleep. By the way, this is not in the ad copy. This is a real testimonial of how I feel. Everyone in my life has it now. And they all use the promo code I'm going to give you here at the end. But legitimately, all of my friends and family are using it. Mike Dawkins, our gimmick attorney, Jeff Jewett from Doo Doo Trucking, my parents, Casio, Dave Silva, on and on and on. Chili Sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions to help you improve your entire well being, and they mean it. Now, they make two systems they've got an Uller and a Cube Sleep system. I use the Uller, that's the one I recommend. Either way, they're hydro powered, temperature controlled mattress toppers. Let me explain. This fits over your existing mattress and it's there to make sure you get the ideal sleep temperature. This is my phone. It works like a remote. I can adjust my temperature with my phone. Not only that, I can set a schedule. My bed will be cool every day when I get into it because I set it up on the app on my phone. It's really that easy. Not only that, I sleep a little cooler than my wife. I want it cold. She wants it warm. Her side's warm. My side's cold. This is like wizardry folks. It's chilly sleep. This is going to give you the perfect temperature for deep sleep. It's going to help you fall asleep, stay asleep and give you the confidence to power through your day real quick. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. That's my existence. Now. Thanks to chilly sleep. Don't take my word for it. Go check it out. Head over to chillysleep.com forward slash 83 weeks to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for 83 weeks listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com slash 83 weeks to take advantage of this exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. And Eric, I know you and Mrs. B have a chilly sleep. This is a home run for everybody. Is it not? It is. And I, I'm like you, man. And I, I was funny. I was just joking with Lori this morning when I got up. Cause I went to bed really early last night, about eight o'clock or so I came down with a little bit of a head cold. Wasn't feeling great. So anyway, went to bed early and boom, I wake up at three 30 in the morning. I'm wide awake. I've had seven hours sleep. And I mentioned that to Laura, I said, oh, seven hours sleep. You know, it's perfect. Right. You know, seven or eight hours in real life uh, prior to chili sleep and, you know, adjusting my diet and a couple other things. I was lucky if I got combined four hours of sleep a night. And I'm talking about 45 minutes here, an hour there, 20 minutes here, you know, cumulatively. And what did I do? I made up for it with coffee, which, yeah, works for an hour or two, but then you crash. Yeah. And got the chilly sleep, changed up a few things. I'm, I'm, I'm good for eight hours a night easily. No melatonin, no prescription drugs, no anything just sleep. And like you, I'm beginning to look forward to it. And I have some, not only badass dreams, dude, because dreams are fun. I told you the story before about putting Tabasco on my liver sausage and <laughs> you know giving myself nightmares at night, but I've had some of the best ideas I've ever had. I woke up with a set up like the undertaker. And what, wait a minute. What if we did that? So I dig it, man. I go into a deep sleep. Sometimes those dreams, dreams are even profitable. 
I can't recommend this enough. Seriously, this is going to be a staple of my life. I think I've mentioned it on the program. I'm remodeling a lake house right now. I've already got one for the lake house. The house isn't even done yet, but I got a brand new chili <laughs> sleep in the box ready to go. I want chili sleep in my life forever. It makes a major difference in the quality of my life. It will yours too. It's chilisleep.com forward slash 83 weeks. Looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea. I was, and I found it at paint your life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a -a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word weeks to 87204. That's weeks to 87204. Text weeks to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, so without further ado, Eric, let's get going on our Monday Nitro playback here. It's season three, episode 16. I'm ready to roll. Are you ready? Fired it up, brother. Here we go. In three, two, one, play. WCW Monday Nitro is on the air and you are looking live out outside my goodness, that is James J. Dillon arriving in a limousine here at the Civic Center in Saginaw, Michigan. And what a way to open the program tonight on Nitro! So we see J.J. Dillon pulling up in the back. And of course, you've been a bad boy, Eric. I don't know why you keep getting yourself into this trouble, but here you are stirring up shit. Uh, I think this might be, at this point, the episode we're about to watch. I mean, uh, maybe the fourth big angle we've seen with you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here, but let's hear Tony. Welcome us in. So we're starting with a match and here we are in Saginaw, Michigan, just to give you some context, the nitro we watched last week from Huntsville was two weeks prior on April 7th. This is going to be April 21st in between ECW had their very first pay-per-view barely legal, uh, for what it's worth. Uh, I can't believe this is real, but as you're listening to this, this Thursday, Taz and Sabu are going to join us on adfreeshows.com to do a live watch along where you can ask questions of these guys about their ECW main event. And I know they didn't go on last, 
But buddy, if you were an ECW fan in 95 and 96 and 97, you knew Taz and Sabu was the real main event. It's the poster for the event. Those guys didn't touch. And then when they did, man, it was going to be pay-per-view worthy. But I'm curious from your perspective, by the way, join us at freeshows.com. I think if you sign up at the $29 level, you get all the bonus content, including the ability to hang out with Taz and Sabu this Thursday night. So please make plans to join that. But anyway, ECW being on pay-per-view, was it even on your radar here in 1997, Eric? And I mean this respectfully to everybody associated with ECW at that time. Um, but no, it, it wasn't And not because I was so arrogant and not because I didn't, you know, want to give them any credit or anything like that. I was just kind of in over, I, I was, I was treading water every day, brother. We were, we were rocking and rolling and my days were long and, and oftentimes it was seven days a week, 12, 16, 18 hours a day. And don't get me wrong. I loved it, but be, no, you know, the idea of sitting down and watching an ECW pay-per-view didn't, didn't occur to me. Well, we know that somebody there was because on the heels of that pay-per-view boy, the WCW recruitment of ECW talent would get kicked into full gear. A- am I correct in assuming that was probably Kevin Sullivan? No, I don't think it's any mystery. Kevin was a lot closer and, and had his finger on a pulse in, in many respects, much more than I did in terms of, well, in many respects, probably in all respects, he had his finger on the pulse of what was going on outside of WCW because Kevin, that's was, that was Kevin's job. Kevin's job was to be aware of the talent and cause yeah, he was the head of creative, but he was also, you know, really one of the primary decision makers when it came to acquiring new talent. So of course, Kevin had a much better uh, handle on ECW and it was really Kevin's influence and some of his decisions and choices that brought a lot of those guys to the table, not because I was watching them on television in, in all honesty, a lot of these guys that Kevin wanted to bring in, I would bring in and I really had no familiarity with him whatsoever until they got to WCW. I know that sounds crazy, but you have to remember I wasn't just writing, running creative. I was running an entire company. And at some point you have to delegate and there are risks in delegating, you know, not everybody's going to see things the way you want to see them or do things the way you would do them. But if you don't delegate at a certain point, you will find yourself making mistakes or letting things fall through cracks. It shouldn't. And I couldn't afford to do that in 1997, not as hard and fast as we were running. We're watching two all-time performers right now. This is the opening match here on Nitro. It's Yuji Nagata challenging Dean Malenko for the U.S. title. That's right. Dean Malenko is not the cruiserweight champion. He's not the TV champion. He's the U.S. champ. Then we see Reggie White sitting right up there against the guardrail. I can't believe you guys didn't get Reggie front row seats. He's sitting second row behind a kid. What in the world? Reggie who? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Reggie was a good friend of Steve McMichaels. Uh, I'm not sure why we didn't get a front row seat. I'm not sure why we didn't get him involved in the show. Maybe we did. I don't know. Wait and surprise me. I haven't watched this one back. I haven't watched the show since I produced this show. Eugene so it's been 25 years, 25 years. That's actually, I think, doesn't that qualify as a generation? Uh, yeah. I mean, if this, if this show were a car, it could run in on antique tag. <laughs> and it would still perform. Oh, my. It would probably outperform most of the cars in its class today. 
but yeah, Eugene Nagata, Eugene Nagata was a great guy. He and Sonny became really close uh, and still are to this day. And I, I love looking at, looking at matches like this because again, Dean was one of those guys, you know, traditional old school could work with anybody and was always believable. We were talking about that with FTR. It's one of the reasons why I'm saying that is a perfect example. Talk about parallels. Why am I such a big Dean Malenko fan? Because the guy in the ring is basically the same guy that you, you know, outside of the ring, right. His approach to, to wrestling, what he did in the ring was true to his character and who he was as a person. Same thing. Another look at Reggie white there in some camera time. So Eugene Nagata here is just 28 years old. He's a few days shy of his 29th birthday. Uh, early in the match, he, uh, tried to hit an enzigiri on Dean Malenko and Malenko went down from it, but unfortunately it missed a rare miss for Eugene Nagata, a criminally underrated wrestler. I have to admit in 1997, didn't know, understand, or appreciate the value of Eugene Nagata. Now with the benefit of hindsight, we were really blessed to have him here on nitro as a pretty regular part of the program. And I want to remind everybody in 1997, and I know in theory, the PWI 500 doesn't matter, but they did something a lot different here in 1997. They didn't say stone cold, Steve Austin or Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels or the undertaker or Hulk Hogan or sting were the best wrestlers in the world. Dean Malenko won the PWI 500. He was the number one ranked wrestler in the world. And it was not based on his interviews, not based on his storylines. It was 100% based on the stories he told between the ropes. I think he's as good of a wrestler as there ever was. And I just think, you know, maybe he had the right mouthpiece. Maybe he was a little taller, or a little bigger or whatever it might be. People would be talking about him in their Mount Rushmore, but I don't think to this day I've ever seen a bad Dean Malenko match. No, nor will you. And you could spend a lot of time researching a lot of stuff. Holy smokes. That yeah. was cool as hell. Was that a, uh, was that a dragon screw leg whip? Yes. Well, like I would fucking know what it is. Tony uh, Schiavone makes it up. You can too, by God. Well, okay. I go, I'll, I'll, I'll think about these things from a different angle than if I get to make shit up, but it looked wicked. It looked so believable. Um, yeah. You like think about it, you know, if Dean Malenko was six foot three. Yeah. Come on, come on. He'd have been right up there, but, uh, nevertheless, man, he he's left his mark. Yes. On professional wrestling. Uh, I'm grateful for Peacock network because a lot of new fans are seeing Dean Malenko that weren't even born then and becoming fans and understanding where a lot of the kind of the exciting cruiserweight style, the high flying, very aerial athletic stuff that we're watching today. They're seeing where it all started, at least in terms of the U S in prime time. And Dean Malenko was, uh, was an anchor to that team. Oh, here we go. Texas Cloverleaf. Look at the crowd. Look at the crowd. Come on. Look at that crowd. They knew. And he does. He's sitting down on it. Texas Cloverleaf. Look at that crowd reacted Dean Malenko. And I'm only pointing it out now. You know, we're just talking about Dean's praises. But Dean is relatively new in WCW at this point. Dean is relatively new to the domestic audience at this point. Yes, he'd been around. Yes, you know, people in the industry, the core of it knew who Dean Malenko was. But the mass audience didn't. And, and they, they got excited for setting up the move, Eric. He didn't have it on yet, but he was setting up the cloverleaf and people stood up. Think about that. And I'm not saying this isn't a good finishing maneuver and it's not a good submission, but I am saying, can you imagine someone popping like that for a Boston crab? No, 
the answer is he had gotten that move over. I mean, Dean Malenko, golly, here we are giving him his flowers and I'm glad we got a chance. He's your U S champ. And what an opener, Eric, great way to start the show. Yeah. Pretty hot, pretty hot open. And that was nitro's trademark, uh, for a long time. It's one of the things that works so well. You know, I truly believe that, and I still do to this day, you need to remind the audience of what happened last week. Not only you're, you're not only reminding them of what happened last week, but what you're also doing very subtly and subconsciously is telling them what to pay attention to and what to look forward to later on in the show. It's a subtle way of creating anticipation, which you do to hold the audience. We talked about format last week. It's another great example of a relatively little thing. You know, the audience doesn't even know you're doing it necessarily or why you're doing it. But from a, a, a production point of view, a producer's point of view, you know, hook them, remind them what happened last week, hook them, build anticipation and try to keep them throughout the two hours or whatever it is, hour, three hours. And that was one, one great example. And starting the show off like that with Dean and Eugene was awesome. So now something totally different. We see Cyclope <laughs> coming to the ring and here comes our man Glacier. And again, boy, we've talked about this a lot. The real life, uh, char- guy behind the character, Mr. Ray is just a phenomenal human being. Great guy. Go out of your way to, uh, to see him at a, a meet and greet or a wrestle con or whatever, uh, just a phenomenal human being, but this character Maybe a couple of years too late. Probably a minimum of, of three, I would say. Two, if I'm optimistic or trying to cut myself some slack. I think if the, this character, the Glacier character, would have come along. 92 to 95. Earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been awesome. Yeah, 92 to 95, this would have been big time stuff. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance, super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. 
There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. I also want to mention a couple of things sort of behind the scenes. You know, you're, you're building towards slamboree where we're going to have Kevin green involved. So of course we got Reggie white there. Uh, we saw JJ Dillon arriving to the building at the top of the show. Um, I think everybody knows this, but this is the first time he's appeared on WCW TV in seven years. Of course, in between, he had a big stint with Vince McMahon famously quit working for Vince McMahon and, and moved on down to Georgia. And here he is now with WCW. We've talked a little bit about y'all's hokey pokey relationship at times, but why was JJ chosen for this on air role here? Did it just make sense because he had done it before? No, I mean, that was part of it, I think, but more importantly, JJ presented himself as that kind of authority figure in a believable way. Uh, most of most people thought of JJ as kind of an office guy. Um, he just fit the role. He, he fit what we needed at that time. Uh, and he did a great job with it. You know, that's a great thing about JJ is he'd been around the business for so long. Ooh, that was a, that was a great, that kick. was a pretty nice sidekick there. Now, if you notice Ray Lloyd did not lean in the opposite direction of the kick, that's a very difficult, this, a standing sidekick is got to be one of the most difficult kicks to throw in a professional wrestling match without killing your opponent or looking like shit. Well, now, if, you, if you place it right, you know, and it slides up a little bit, touches chin, you're okay. But if you, if you, if you're off a couple inches and that thing lands on your chin or in your mug, it, it's, it's going to hurt. And, and do some damage. That one looked really good. It will, cause really it was good. real. That was a real super kick. Watch this. What is this? What in the world is this? This is a rare oddity. I guess it is. Glacier knows who it is. You know, I know exactly who this is. Because he walked out and uncensored. This is that gigantic man that helped Mortis pummel Glacier after Glacier got that win. One of the finds of Mr. Vandenberg right there. And look at Glacier. This is a, one of the few times I've seen the man kind of lose composure here. That's right. That's a good point. He's always been very restrained, very laid back, very under control. But you're seeing nothing of the kind right now here, Larry. We might have an extra bonus match. We very well may. This big guy is slowly coming to the ring. So this is the Nitro debut of Raph. He's not yet been named. As you just heard, we did see him at Uncensored uh, after the fact. And there's Mortis, who's going to sneak in. And, man, there's going to be a moment here in the corner uh, that I'm going to actually track the audio because, boy, Canyon. Oh! Yeah, what a kick that was. Dayum, two syllables. Dayum. Wrath taking off the uh, the mask, revealing that he is indeed the former Adam Bomb. He is Brian Clark, but here's James Vandenberg. And as a reminder, the gimmick here is he's this 
collector, this rich guy, this whatever. And you see, uh, they're sporting glaciers mask as this newest trophy to give to Mr. Vandenberg. Mortis is going to go to the corner here in just a minute and have one of the most legit slaps in the history of wrestling. The likes of which we haven't seen since Cassio and Jeff Jarrett were in Dallas. Take a listen. That was not him slapping his leg or his chest, boys and girls. That was skin oh. to hand to head. Here we go. <laughs> what a what a cool little debut for Wrath here. Uh, this is really good. I mean, I know people will you know, shoot holes in the character all you want, but the execution of this, now I really wish we would have come up with this about 92, 93, because this, this is video game yes. stuff. This, yes. And, and here in reality... Conrad, what I'm thinking is I'm watching this because I've pointed out at times and talking about previous creative decisions and directions in WCW before I got into management. And I've pointed out that what WCW was doing was trying to compete with the WWE at what the WWE was so good at, which never worked. And I think what I was trying to do here, if I'm honest with myself, with this collection of talent in these characters is exactly what WWE had been successful at. Now, my timing was off, and there were a lot of other reasons why it didn't work, but in terms of execution, in the design of the characters, there was nothing wrong with any of this other than the freaking timing. Yeah. But this was me trying to be good at what WWE was already good at. It doesn't work (laughs) or it didn't work. It it was a decent segment. I will say that. But by this point, as you said, the timing is so off that as they're doing that really nice little attack, I mean, that made sense. That looked cool. But in the context of 1997, where there's so much realism with a guy like Dean Malenko and the NWO and so on and so forth, the crowd was chanting glacier sucks there at the end. Uh, yeah. which is unfortunate because as we said, it's actually pretty decent. Um, Tony Schiavone is here announcing that JJ Dillon is the new head of the WCW executive committee. And we're actually going to get to see, uh, Mr. Nick Patrick do a run in here. He's trying to uh, state his case as to why he should be reinstated. Now you might recall he's been playing a heel referee here on the program for a while, but he was just recently. Uh, back at uh, Spring Stampede, power bombed by the NWO, and well, things are getting sideways, and and he's no longer this heel referee. So he's trying to state his case as to why he should still be working with WCW, and I guess that's going to be one of the decisions that our new babyface commissioner, Mr. JJ Dillon, is going to have to deal with. We're seeing a recap of what happened last week here on the program, and as a reminder, this episode aired from Philadelphia. I'm I'm bringing that up because this nitro aired on April 14th from Philadelphia. That's significant because ECW's first pay-per-view barely legal was the night before also in Philadelphia. Of course, they didn't have an arena or this many folks or live television, et cetera, et cetera. But still it's, uh, telling you where we are with these wrestling wars. We're going to try to counter program as much as we can, even if it's just little old. ECW. 
Oh, here we go. Let's track this here with uh, with Nick Patrick. Reinstatement, and if you don't mind, I'd like to take a moment to just clear up a couple of points. And if you have any questions for me afterwards, I've been but this isn't the junior high quiz, Nick. Well, let, first let off, him, I'd like say. to apologize to all the WCW employees that may have been affected by my actions recently. But there are a few people that I will not apologize to now, nor will I ever apologize to those people. When I first joined the NWO, I thought it was going to be an opportunity for the little man to speak out, people that's never had a voice, to be able to speak up for themselves, people that's been ground under by the system, but been able to land on their feet to be able to make a statement. But now it seems to me that the very people that I wanted to make a statement against are the people that the NWO are catering to. People like Macho Man Randy Savage. Now, I told you people what he was about when he first came here to WCW, and he's proven me correct in the last few weeks. People like Eric Bischoff, who are so obsessed with power and letting somebody know, ooh, I'm the boss, I've got power. Forcing people into doing his will. Forcing people like Randy Anderson to come up and have to fight me. I didn't want to fight Randy Anderson. I also find Macho Man Randy Savage, the largest fine in professional wrestling history. But I was told to keep my mouth shut as that fine was revoked. If you want somebody that's going to stand up for WCW, take a look at what I've done. When people walked out, I stayed. I was injured by Randy Savage. I still worked. When the Giant was NWO, I was choke slammed. I was pressed and thrown out to the floor, and I've been jackknifed by Kevin Nash. Bottom line is... I'm still here. You need an official that will stand up for what he believes in, and I'm that man. If WCW gives me the opportunity, I will serve them with pride. You mean you stabbed us in the back, and now you want to come back to WCW, and you're begging like you guys can argue. Like we're, we're supposed to take a commercial break. To trust we'll be right you back now? on a wild night. Sure. I mean, listen, I know it's a little thing, but I thought that little segment with Nick Patrick was well done. I mean, that's one of the most well done things I've seen in a long time. That promo that what Nick Patrick did there, there are very few people in the industry could do too. I mean, in terms of the delivering that promo in a real and believable way that doesn't sound like you had it memorized because somebody else wrote it for you. Uh, or, or because you got nervous and you rushed your way through it. You know, this is a guy that di- typically didn't spend a lot of time on the mic for crying out loud. I mean, not typically, rarely got a chance to get on the mic up until this you know period of time where we, he became a character. That promo was off the freaking charts good. Every syllable had emotion, was believable, and had a direction. It was painting a picture. It was setting something up. It was building anticipation. That was just perfect. Perfect. Up next, we've got Bobby Eaton. Yes. One half of the midnight express, Bobby Eaton taking on Sonny Ono's Ultimo dragon for the television championship. That's right. Ultimo dragons, the TV champ, and he's about to defend it against Bobby Eaton. This is our third match on the show. Uh, so again, the first match, barn burner, Eugene Nagati, Dean Malenko, even Meltzer gave it three stars. Then Glacier and Cyclope didn't get very much time. Nice little post-match angle that the Nick Patrick thing. And now this, I, I absolutely love these two guys as a kid in this era. I thought Ultimo dragon was one of the best wrestlers in the world. Certainly one of the most fun to watch. 
one of the things that made Nitro so special. As an adult, I can go back and say he happens to be wrestling one of the best wrestlers ever, Mr. Bobby. Eaton. Yeah, I was going to say, as a kid, you were absolutely right. You know, Conrad, I, I I know you love, you know, nostalgia, and so do I. This morning as I was prepping, you know, actually when I say prepping, I mean sucking down coffee. Um, I was scrolling through my social media, and I found a picture of Bobby Eaton and Nick Goulas. Wow. Um, now, I don't know a lot about Nick Goulas. I've heard the name a lot, obviously, over the decades. But uh, the picture of Bobby, he must have been like 15 years old. Yeah. It looked like they had either got done working out or were training or something. And uh, Bobby was a cute kid. So by now, you know, the Fed has raised interest rates, and they're telling us they're going to raise rates six more times this year. What does that mean for you? It means waiting will only cost you money. If you've been thinking about building, if you've been thinking about buying, if you've been thinking about refinancing, the time to act is now. Waiting will cost you money. I urge you, I encourage you, just let us run the numbers for you. If you want to buy a house, go to buywithconrad.com. If you want a lower monthly payment, go to savewithconrad.com. And I know what you're thinking. Man, can I really save money if rates are going up? Absolutely. Because if you've got credit card debt, if you've got a second mortgage, if you need to make improvements to your home, there's not a better, easier, faster, more economical, cheaper way to borrow this money than to use your current equity in your house. Here's what we're talking about. All of a sudden, our houses are worth more than ever in the last couple of years because the real estate market is hot, 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 daddy. Now, what you do with this debt, once you owe that debt, is up to you. So if you don't do what I'm encouraging you to do and go to SaveWithConrad.com, man, just keep making the minimum payments. Now, they're going to jack up your interest rates on your credit cards, too. Just so you know, we're not just talking about home loan rates, but all the money is about to get more expensive. Now, you're right now sitting at an interest rate on your credit cards that's way too high. I don't know how high, but you may not either. Is it 19%? Is it 29%? Here's what I know. It's going up. And if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're making the minimum payments, if you don't feel like you have a real plan to get out of debt, now's the time to make that plan, baby. Savewithconrad.com. We can help you knock out all that debt, even let you skip your next two house payments, and more importantly, pay your house off faster. When we're really talking about saving on a refinance, the term is the killer. If the bank can trick you into giving them 29% of your gross monthly income every month until you die, it's mission accomplished for them. Don't take my word for it. Throw it in your Google machine. Mortgage is Latin for pledge until death. They put you in this thing to keep you beholden to them every month until you die. That's not the American dream. The dream is to get out of debt. I want to help you get out of debt today. Make a stand today. Tell the banks to stick it, brother. We're going to show them how to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. If you got car loans, check. I can handle that. You got credit card debt, check. I can handle that. Oh, and here's a pop quiz for you. Have you always wanted to do one thing to your house? Whether we're talking about upgrading your kitchen, upgrading your bathroom, putting in a pool, putting in a man cave, let's make someday today. All that's going to do is make your house worth even more. You're going to create even more equity. But at the same time, you're going to get those repairs or improvements done with no money out of pocket. You hear me? Why would you not do this? Get the dream house with the dream payment right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And if you're still throwing your money away on rent, I urge you, I encourage you, this is the year to take action. 
There is no stopping this real estate boom right now. I cannot believe what's happening, and I want you to be a part of it. Had you done it two years ago, you'd already be rolling in the dough, baby. What's that old proverb? The best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. The second best time is now. Something like that. The second best time to buy a house is now. Find out how much money you can save when you stop throwing your money away on rent and you actually build some wealth for yourself at buywithconrad.com. And, buddy, we're licensed in almost all the states. Don't take my word for it. I know it sounds weird. Wait, the podcast guy about wrestling can help me save money? Go check out my reviews, conradreviews.com. You'll see more than a 1,000 reviews. Our average is like 4.71 or 4.72. You know what that means? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. We're going to save you some cash. You're going to love it. Run the numbers with me. No cost, no obligation. Buy with Conrad if you want to buy. Save with Conrad if you want to save. Either way, I can hook you up. Savewithconrad.com, NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh, by the way, don't be nervous about talking about your credit report. I don't care that you had a late here or there. I don't care that you had a bankruptcy back in the day. I'm not going to tell you no. Now, I might say not yet, but here's how. You need a plan to get out of debt. You need a plan to buy a house, and I can help you with that plan at SaveWithConrad.com or BuyWithConrad.com. Hey, man, maybe you don't want to do that. Give us a call, 888-425-0105, or just drop me a line. Yes, email me, Conrad at SaveWithConrad.com. I just noticed, and I just watched this show last night, but I missed it last night. Bobby Eaton's boot, uh, his right boot says B.E. His left boot is a silhouette of the state of Alabama, and it's got a star on Huntsville. If you're listening to this and you know where those boots are, hit me up. I need a Huntsville, Alabama boot from Bobby Eaton in my collection. How cool Wouldn't is that? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's You'd awesome. have to put that one in a glass frame. Dude, one I'm going to put that over saves. the mantle. Megan's going to be mad, but that's going to be on the mantle. Are you kidding? <laughs> you be careful with Megan. You know, she's had to endure wrestling-related emotional trauma for the better part of her life. So hey. start putting up Bobby Eaton's fucking wrestling boots on a mantle. You may be tapping into some memories or you'd rather not. Well, listen, you've been to my house. I keep it all in this one room. I'm talking to you in. there's no wrestling stuff in the rest of the house. She can put up with one boot that just has the state of Alabama on it. And the star where Huntsville is. I'll put it yeah, downstairs. Uh, she, she'd probably let that way. I mean, she's a very reasonable person. She'd probably let that fly because of the Huntsville thing. Yeah. She likes Huntsville too. She gets it. I just, I'll tell you, man, I, I miss Bobby Eaton more than ever. I uh, look at this series of kicks here from Sonny. I know that kick to the back of the head. That's uh that's some pretty slick stuff here for Mr. Sonny. Oh no. Sonny can go, you know, now probably not so much anymore. Heart attack will slow you down a little bit, but when now Sonny was clearly not in his prime here, but 20 years previous to this, that little son of a bitch could kick you three times in the head before you saw the first one coming. He was really good. Ultima Dragon signaling for the end here. Check this out. I, I absolutely love this. It never gets tired. And his manager is as well. See, and Bobby Eaton's not used to this type of style. Long time. Look at that. Oh. Very the Hurricane Rana off the top is awesome. But when he would spin, I don't know, it made it even more cool. Here comes the Dragon Sleeper. And I'll tell you, Larry Zabisco is criminally underrated as a color guy. Uh, when they do the replay here, he has a great line about how Bobby's struggling. 
Uh, and when they show the replay, I'll track it so you can hear it. But man, I, I kind of forget sometimes how often we overlook Larry Zabisco as being really good at color. He was great at color and he was great at color because he knew what a color commentator should do. Yeah. And I know I beat this freaking drum almost every time we talk about this kind of stuff, but I <laughs> Look at Sonny heard... Otto getting the ref to take their picture. How great is that? That's Sonny. It's fantastic. That's Sonny. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I do want everybody. No, I was to just going to go on my color commentators need to be color commentators and play by play guys need to be play by play guys. And I'm talking to each and every one of you, even those of you who are my friends. Come on now. Come on, right give me a good color commentator that's. Odo knows what he's doing. Talk about martial arts background, but Eaton in trouble. Just couldn't keep up with the Ultimate Dragon. Your winner and still the television champion is the Ultimate Dragon. See, look at right here. Takes it, stitches it up, stitches weight back, and the more Eaton struggles, the tighter it gets. Let's go to G. I mean, how nice was that? He sits his weight back and the more Eaton struggles, the tighter it gets that but little, see, that's new- what a color commentator can do. A color commentator can talk to you from the perspective of a professional wrestler of someone who's been in the ring in a, in a, in a way that is, this is what I would do, or this is what I have done. That's what a color commentator should do. That's why they're called color commentators. They add color. The play-by-play guy does the sketch. He calls the action. The color guy brings it to life. I'm begging you people. There's our new best friend, Mr. Regal. And it's about bloody time to get back what belongs to me, the world's television title, for the fourth time. You Americans don't seem to have a lot of luck with the Japanese, do you? You should have a bloody white cross on a white background for your flag, because you're all bloody cowards. If you can't beat that pathetic, woeful, bloody Japanese, whatever it is, then let it down to a real man to bring back to WCW what is rightfully ours. And I say ours because I'm the only bloody thing keeping this company together at the moment. Whether you like me or whether you don't, because I'm English, you xenophobic, miserable little toads. I will bring that belt back to WCW where it belongs. Now, Ultimo Dragon, put on your best pink mask and your nice pink tights and your pink gown and come and I'll bend you in bloody two, sunshine. Thank you very much, Lord. How great was Regal on the mic? My goodness. I want to, you know, I just want to share this. You know, we, Mr. Regal stayed with us in our, in your Airbnb that the rest of us were lucky enough to, uh, to be able to stay in while we're in Dallas. And uh, one morning I got up early as I often do. And I was sitting outside. It was a beautiful morning and I was having coffee and Mr. Regal came out and I said, Mr. Regal, good morning. And I'm not going to try to imitate a British accent because that's disrespectful. And I butcher it. But he said, Eric, why do you call me Mr. Regal? I should be calling you Mr. Bishop. I, I, I worked for you. And I said, it has nothing to do with who worked for who. It has everything to do with respect. And it's one of the things that I learned, and I'm tying this into Sonny Ono and our relationship, but in martial arts, when you reach a certain level in martial arts, in my case, it was brown belt. At that point, when you've reached brown belt, the the people below, the ranks below you um, refer to you as Mr. or Ms. whoever. Um, And it's just something, that's why when I talk about Ernest Miller, I very rarely call him Ernest. I always call him Mr. Miller. It's just the way I was kind of brought up to show respect for people who deserve respect. Sure. It's not a who's 
achieve more, who, who works for more. But when you get to a certain level in this industry, um, no matter who you've worked for, when you've accomplished as much as, a, as someone like Mr. Regal has accomplished, brother, to me, you're Mr. For as long as I live, that's just the way it is. And, and Mr. Regal deserves that. He is such a fascinating guy. I, I can't wait to hear some of his stories. I can't wait to hear about wrestling in India as a 19 and 20 year old and having to learn and adjust and adapt and all the things that he went through. I think our audience is going to be in for amazing education and, and a very colorful germ journey to go along with that education. And I think they'll appreciate the entire industry more as a result. We got Ming and Chris Jericho in the ring right now, but no one on camera is watching it. They're all watching a fight breaking out in the crowd. Unfortunately, no one is paying any attention to Chris Jericho. Uh, Ming is basically going to no sell everything Jericho does here for about three minutes and then beat him with the tongue and death grip. And it's not very good. Meltzer would say this is a broken record, but no matter how tough Ming is in real life, Nobody at home knows it. And no matter how hard they try to push him, he lacks the color and never gets over. And I guess that's kind of hard to disagree with. Like he never became this super top star, but in real life, I don't know that there's many guys who are more respected than him. I, I, I don't disagree with Dave's perspective at that point. Um, because it's all true. Yeah. Here's what I, again, that's a negative, you know, Dave's take while true was in my opinion negative of course it's negative yeah but where i disconnect from commentary like that is why does everybody think everybody on a roster has to be pushed to the very top of the card in order to be considered successful i if you look at a cast of a movie there's usually only one or two stars there's some co-stars and then there's a bunch of people that yeah you may recognize them but you don't know their names like, who is that person? I, I know I've seen that person yeah. in, the, in a movie. Before. You know, that's like 90% of, of, of the cast in just about any movie. Yes. So it, the idea that, you know, you, you've got to say something critical. Yes, it's true. It's accurate. There's no lie there. But the assumption is that, oh, they're not putting this guy. No matter what they do, this guy's never going to get over. Not everybody needs to be the main event to be important. God, I wish I had, I wish I had a fraction of what Dolph Ziggler pays in taxes every year. <laughs> Those guys, no, he's not main event, but guess what? He's making a phenomenal living doing what he loves to do. And is probably going to be able to retire three or four times over while he's still young enough to keep doing it. If he chooses to, to me, that's, that's what's impressive. Not whether or not he's getting pushed to the moon and he can't make it to the top of the roster. I think it's a very immature, negative perspective. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, uh, I mean, Dolph Ziggler is the example on the men's side that I often give when I'm having this debate with some of my, my wrestler friends. And I think it's Natalia on the other side. Yes. They've both had the big belts. No, they're probably not going to win the big belt again this week. But you know what they got in the meantime, 20 years of big checks. And yeah, absolutely. That, that's and, the name of the game. And, and to be able to stay at their respective levels. Yes. In an industry that is so incredibly competitive 
and can be fickle, particularly in WWE. Yes. Because the chairman can be fickle in terms of what he likes and doesn't like. And, and to be able to stay healthy. And, oh, yeah. And then there's enduring everything that goes along with it, like being on the road 300 days a year pre-COVID. To me, those people have an immense amount of respect for me. I'll tell you what. Eric, I grab your mouse. Less whether they're ever the main event at WrestleMania. Grab your mouse, Eric, and I want you to hit pause. 3503 is where I'm at. You're paused. I'm paused. And I wanted to just take this pause right now because, well, I'm sure Chris Jericho's uh, not feeling so well here because, well, he just had to wrestle Ming. But feels is a way to feel better. You see, CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. I'm talking about stress, anxiety, or pain. CBD has been super helpful for me. It does help you sleep. And I've got a lot of friends who really like CBD for that. But for me, man, I've, uh, well, I got a left knee that doesn't like me as much as I like it. So occasionally little CBD helps a lot. And I use feels because I want to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD that will help you keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free and it's delivered directly to your door. Let me explain. CBD naturally helps you reduce your stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Now, here's the key. There's no hangover or addiction. And if you're a wrestling fan, and clearly you are, you're listening to this, we know all too much about those sad stories. You don't have to worry about that here. I want to say it again. No hangover, no addiction. You just place a few drops of feels under your tongue, and you feel the difference within minutes. And the thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important, And really everyone's dose is different. Or if you need a dose of chill on the go, pop one of Phil's new CBD infused mints for a clear headed feeling. And as a bonus, you get fresh breath. In fact, Phil's offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Phil's customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. By the way, joining the Phil's monthly membership makes your self-care routine easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. So start feeling better with feels become a member today by going to feels.com slash 83 weeks, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F E A L S.com slash 83 weeks to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash 83 weeks. And Eric, we traveled to Dallas. I saw you using feels. It's a regular part of our routine now, is it not? Here's what I love about feels. And in, in CBD has so many different applications. Uh, it, it works for a lot of things, as you've just pointed out about. For me, one of the things I really love about the product is it decreases inflammation. Yes. And when you have pain, you know, you can go to the doctor and you can get prescription pills for it, or you can take over the counter stuff for it. All of it is to try to convince you that you can't feel the pain, particularly in the case of narcotics, but none of those over the counter or prescription drugs really help you eliminate the inflammation and inflammation is what causes pain. Whereas CBD goes right after the inflammation, it decreases inflammation and even especially when I'm flying, like in Dallas, for example, when I'm flying, I'm up, going up and down. I had to take three planes to get to Dallas 
you know, I swell up like a weather balloon, you know, just from the altitude and pop a couple feels and within about an hour, all of a sudden I can put my ring back on. It'll fit again. My eyes don't look like I got in a fight with Mike Tyson. And as a result of, you know, my knees, my, I, I tell people this all the time. I've been fairly physically active my whole life, between high school, college wrestling, martial arts, getting bounced around in the wrestling business every once in a while. I'm at 67. I'll be 67 years old next month. I have zero pain, zero, nothing aches, nothing hurts. And part of it is because I don't have any inflammation. Thank you. Feels you'll love this product. Try it. I really do believe in it. F E A L S.com slash 83 weeks. And Eric, I think, uh, I think we're ready to get going again here. I am at 3503. I'll count us in. Are you ready? I am. Here we go. In three, two, one, play. Slamboree Ming is going to be facing Chris Benoit. Some say that uh, Ming is going to be doing dirty work for the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. You know, Mean Gene, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, he said tonight, Jimmy Hart, you and me send a message to Chris Benoit. Exactly what we did. What? I don't understand anything. What he said, Mean Gene, is tonight. We turn Ming, the monster, loose. Uh-oh. And Chris Benoit, right now, the Taskmaster has got a little message for you. All right. Oh, oh Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. Oh. Jimmy, let's get this down and stop. That's some serious side boob going on there. Ming has made a few mistakes in wrestling in the ring. There's some great lines in here with Sullivan. That's why I'm tracking it. Wrestling business. And if you don't believe it, anybody want to come down? You won't get any comers here. I don't hear any footsteps. They know how tough he is. And this man was recruited from Tonga from the Japanese. Ten people from Tonga went. Only two survived in the dojo. And I got something else to say to Mr. Chris Benoit when he meets Ming. You know, Benoit, Chris, when you're talking about karma, I had the same karma you did at that age, and it was all bad. You told me that everybody left me. Nancy didn't left me. I let her go. My son Benjamin, he didn't leave me. I let him go. But the one that disappoints me the most is my daughter. Shannon, I didn't raise you that way. All your sorority sisters that are upset about me and Jackie, well, I've been footing that bill, and you wouldn't have a sorority sister. So all I want to know is one thing, brother. I got to feel the power one time. Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute, Ming. This is not the... Don't do it. Don't you put that on my man. Sister! Sister! If it wasn't for you and the man behind you, I could take both of you right down here. Hear me, sister. Apparently she does. We just about got into a tussle here. Thank you, Kevin Sullivan. Jackie looking very radiant tonight. Man, oh, man, alive. Ming is going to be facing Chris Benoit. Tony. So I I wanted to leave that in for the whole Mm. Sullivan talk about Chris Benoit. You didn't take my wife, you didn't take my son, blah, blah, blah. 
Anyway, Jimmy Hart is, uh, always there, but Meltzer had this to say in the continuing saga of Sullivan versus Nash, the Nash contingent is working to get Sullivan out of the ring. As many of you are aware, nearly one year ago, Eric Bischoff told Sullivan that when the current program with Chris Benoit runs its course, that he has to get out of the ring. So Sullivan has done basically a brilliant job of keeping that feud going by using his wife, his son, Jacqueline, etc., and to give the devil his due in the process. It has been a hot feud and has taken Benoit to superstardom. But if you've noticed the angle where Kevin's son hit him with a chair in Baltimore hasn't been acknowledged and the pressure has been on from the other side to get Sullivan out of the ring and in the feud. So a lot to unpack here. I have to admit, I am fascinated by this whole Kevin Nash wants more power booking. Kevin Sullivan wants to hang on to it. And then there's you somewhere in the middle, according to the rumor and innuendo saying, all right, you got to wrap this deal up. We don't need to see you in the ring anymore. I need you to focus more backstage and behind the scenes. Is that real? Or is this much ado about nothing? Uh, two of the three points that you made were real. Um, actually really one. I wanted Kevin out of the ring. I didn't want, it was bad enough. I was splitting my focus between being a performer running and being involved in creative and Oh, by the way, running a business. Um, but to have the head of creative also involved in the show is it's a conflict of interest. It, there is going to be inevitably a problem that results. And I wanted Kevin out. That's not because I wanted to focus just on booking. We had enough of that to do, right? Right. The part that's not true is Kevin Nash wanting more power. I don't know where that came from. Kevin was outspoken, outspoken. A lot of people were outspoken, but it's not because they wanted Kevin's position or they wanted more power. Kevin Nash had a fair amount of influence because he was Kevin Nash and he had great ideas and he wasn't afraid at all to share them. Scott Hall, same thing. Sting, same thing. Hulk Hogan, obviously, same thing. Randy Savage, same thing. A lot of people had strong opinions and didn't agree necessarily with some of the things that were going on, but it's not because they wanted that job. That's the leap of connection. That's the connecting dots that didn't really exist that are a trademark of Dave Meltzer and his dirt sheet community. So we're doing a little angle here where the Steiners are supposed to be coming out. Remember we're in Saginaw, Michigan. So this is their quote unquote hometown public enemies already in the ring, but where are the Steiners? So a brawl in the back, the, uh, the dungeon of doom, if you will, taking it to the Steiners, you know, I, I get why we did this. And this was probably done as well as any of these backstage kind of brawls can be done. Yeah. So I'm not going to 
beat myself up too much over it. But just one thing that could have made that really believable is rather than cutting back to that scene, we should have done an ENG or as a electronic news gathering meeting, you're running to the scene of the crime with a camera on your shoulder and you get that natural, not the fake, you know, WWE, you know, backstage promo vertigo inducing camera work that I love so much. But if you'd had someone run back with a camera on their shoulder and you got that natural kind of shot as a result, that scene could have looked pretty good, but it was locked off. They shot that scene like they would shoot anything else backstage. And it sh- that, that was a mistake. Shit like that pisses me off to this day. How about the Steiner family, uh, Rex Steiner family, just inside the guardrail, Scotty goes over, hugs them all on the way to the ring. Heroes welcome. Everybody's on their feet. They love the Steiners here in Michigan. They're going to be taking on the public enemy. And of course, well, Dungeon of Doom's not done. Here comes Hugh Morris and Conan. Get a nice wide shot there. I'm so glad that we get to see Braun Breaker and that he's wearing, I don't know, some gear that's reminiscent of his dad. Rick Steiner, I don't know that you saw on NXT. I guess he's in NXT jail. People are kidnapping Rick Steiner. That's where we are in 2022. Mm, I hope that works for him. I think we did the same thing in TNA with Samoa Joe, and that just sucked. But, of course, we didn't finish the story, which is one of the reasons it sucked. How about, you know what I love about watching Braun? I I say what I love about it, but I noticed right off the bat is even when Braun's walking to the ring, he looks just like he's got his dad's gait. I mean, just there's something about his physical presence. He reminds me so much of Rick and, and a little bit of Scott and some of the, some of his work. It's really fun to watch him. It's, I, I love watching generations of people in the industry. It's always funny. Randy Orton's probably one of the reasons, well, not one of one small reason why I love Randy Orton so much, aside from the fact that he's the most fluid, believable character that I've seen in the last decade. Um, but again, man, that's that's a legacy going on there, and I, I appreciate it, respect it. I want to mention too, this crowd is five thousand four hundred and eighty-four fans. They're going nuts for everything the Steiners are doing. Uh, of that, four thousand nine hundred and eighty-nine of them paid ninety thousand seven hundred and three dollars. I bring this up because it comes out in the observer that you guys are uh, gonna be in line to raise ticket prices. But considering the run you've been on with the NWO and you're selling out these arenas left and right, it's it's high time for a little bump, is it not? Yeah, I don't think we probably had raised ticket prices since Ted Turner created WCW after the Crockett Promotions acquisition. You couldn't give them away up until this point. So yeah, it was it was, it was time to cash in a little bit. I know we uh, we watched it together. Uh, and we briefly talked about it last week, but since they're in the ring, it makes sense to talk about it again. How happy are you? The Steiners are finally in the WWE hall of fame. Extremely happy. I mean, it, gosh, they definitely, and I know, look, there's Scott Steiner in particular, very vocal, had some very negative things to say, not only about WWE, but about the WWE hall of fame and, and certain people in WWE, like, oh, I don't know, Triple H and Stephanie. And I, as much as WWE has established that they're willing to let bygones be bygones, that was one I didn't think was going to happen. And I was so glad that it did. 
because we all get smarter as we get older. We realize, you know, maybe didn't need to say some of the things you said and all that. Uh, but I was really happy to see it. And what I was most impressed by, I guess, was the emotion in Scott. For a guy who said, you know, Hall of Fame and kind of dumped on it, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, really dismissed it. It's a joke. It doesn't mean anything. It only means something in Vince's eyes. All that bravado and, and negative positioning, he could barely keep from breaking down crying when he was up there accepting it. And I, I love that because you get to see the real person. You know, it did mean a lot to Scott. It was obvious it meant a lot yeah. to be up there with his brother and to get that moment. That's what I was happiest to see as much as, you know, I was much closer to Rick than I certainly was to Scott, but I was happiest seeing the real Scott Steiner come through for once. And I, I loved it. I, I really loved it. How about this, Eric? Next Monday, Nitro is going to start at 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Okay, I'll acquiesce. It might have actually been fucking daytime. Yeah, it was daytime. God, I've been getting beat up for that for so long. It was a great moment on the show. Oh, it was. No, and for that, I'm grateful and I love it. (laughs) Those moments are gold. They're fun for me, too. And I'm going to be honest with you. I actually had to go back and go, am I losing my fucking mind? No. Or, I mean, I really, I was questioning myself. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am getting older. That privileges shit, I might have to get some. You know, I got to start exercising my memory because clearly I'm missing. And I went back and I researched it. And I went, huh. Damn. And then I looked at that and I started looking at the, uh, the time of sunset on that particular day in question. It was daylight outside and I was in the middle of the ring. Two things can be true at the same time. So well, here comes the big moment with JJ Dillon and JJ and I had a lot in common back here. We were neither one of us were big fans, of Eric Bischoff, that damn dirty heel. Uh, and here comes, uh, JJ. Now remember we're, uh, we're seeing JJ on the program for the first time. We need some sort of, I don't know, baby face centerpiece commissioner, the GM, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we need a figurehead. That's a baby face because you've been running around as the leader of this outfit, but now of course you're a bad guy. And I think when I think back to your more critical moments, you know, when you took the big power bomb, that was a big moment. Uh, in 1996 at the pay-per-view. And then of course, when you reveal that you're a part of the NWO, that was a big moment. Then you had, you know, the trolling of Roddy Piper in the kilt. That was a big moment. Uh, the firing of Randy Anderson, that was a big moment. And now maybe this one, uh, by and large though, prior to the NWO, you had not been a quote unquote character on TV. You were mostly just for lack of a better word, a talking head. And, and now you're knee deep in the character work. When do you think you got comfortable with being a character? Pretty quickly because it, it was easy. It was natural. I was basically just being myself with the volume turned up. You know, I was the president of the company. Right. I wasn't pretending I was the president of the company. Um, I was in control. I wasn't pretending I was in control. 
And I look, by the time I became a character, I'd been on the production side. Let's listen to JJ here for a minute. Eligible man in professional wrestling. He is the original leader of the four horsemen earlier today. Named chairman of the WCW Executive Committee. My congratulations to you, J.J. Dillon. Well, Gene, thank you very much. It's a real honor for me to stand out here with the dean of wrestling broadcast journalists, and, and I've had the utmost respect for you for many, many years. This has been a very busy day for me, Gene. You have got your work cut out for you. There's no question about that. Uh, certainly, Eric Bischoff is something that's going to have to be addressed as well as all members of the NWO. Well, we want to look into all facets of world championship wrestling and really reevaluate uh, all aspects of the company. Uh, Gene, I, I hate to interrupt you here. Hold on a second. Uh, yes, Tony, go ahead. I, I'm sure JJ was watching as you were and the fans were when Nick Patrick came up here and made the plea to come back to WCW. What does he think of that and what has been going on with Nick Patrick? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, JJ, good point just made by Tony Schiavone. A plea was made earlier tonight by former WCW referee Nick Patrick. I think this guy's got a clean slate. He wants to come back. It's got to be something you're looking at. Well, Nick Patrick did petition for reinstatement. At this point, it is being taken under advisement. All right. I think uh, first and foremost, uh, we got to get around to the NWO. When you get around to the NWO, you got to get around to a man that is very controversial, and that's Eric Bischoff. Gene, as soon as the meeting ended this morning and I was aware of what my responsibilities were, the first thing was to get a group of lawyers and look really in-depth at the contract of Eric Bischoff. And I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is that Eric Bischoff has absolutely no authority. That is good news, J.J. Dillon. Watch the background now. Here it comes. And I think that Dr. Schiller made it crystal clear when he came out here and made the announcement of the suspension that Eric Bischoff has no financial responsibility, no contractual authority with World Championship Wrestling. And even though he's been uh, very visible the last couple of weeks, he still has no authority. All right. That's uh, part of the news. That's what's the good uh, news. Yeah, what's part two, the bad news? The bad news is Eric Bischoff has an ironclad contract. Mm. Um, like most contracts, there is a buyout clause. In his case, it's not there. So Eric Bischoff, unless he breaches his contract, uh, it is a valid contract. And what that means is that Eric Bischoff will retain his title as executive vice president. He will continue to get a paycheck. And he can go and come at events as he sees fit, but he still has no authority. And he's behind you. Now, we've looked further into the NWO and some of the contracts <coughs> that, he, uh, that he finalized before the suspension are all valid. So the NWO, by and large, is here to stay. And with two exceptions. Two exceptions. Uh, Bagwell and Norton, they had a window of opportunity. They elected to go NWO. That's fine. But there were two exceptions, and that's Big Bubba. And I'm talking about Michael Wall Street. Okay, he Bubba's have that injured, though, right? He is injured, but the window of opportunity didn't exist. Their NWO contracts are not valid. They are still under contract to the WCW. Bite me. <laughs> Bite me. What, what kind of a way Bischoff is at to talk to the new chairman of the executive committee? You know what? You heard him say it. Speak English. Speed it up here. These people want to get back to action. The fact is, you wanted to fire me, but you can't. I think Dr. Harvey Schiller 
I'd even take a close look at that. If you have something to say, say it. Bottom line is, you can't stop me from doing anything I want to do with the NWO. You know it. Everybody at Turner knows it. And everybody here knows it. And they love me for it, don't you? Thank you very much. But let me ask you a question, Marshall Dillon. And by the way, where's the badge? <laughs> I think they're out of line there. I made WCW the number one wrestling company on the planet. Yes or no? Yes. And now that I want to make the NWO bigger than the WCW, you and the rest of your corporate monks got a problem with it. Yes or no? Yes, you are a problem. Bite me. Uh, that's a, that's Somebody has got to grab this thing. Do you really think for a second, I don't know what kind of mushrooms you have on your pizza, good friend, but do you think for a second that you can fill my shoes? Hold it right there. To start with, I'll be the first one to acknowledge that you are the most powerful and influential person in the world of professional wrestling, and you have been for the last two years. It's, it's mind-boggling what you've been able to accomplish, and I know firsthand because the standard of excellence two years ago wasn't set here. It was set up in New York, Stanford, Connecticut, to be specific. But what you have forgotten is that you didn't do it alone, that you had the support and you had the trust of people like Ted Turner, like Harvey Schiller, Hollywood Hogan, Holland Nash. You had a trust and you betrayed it. And that is not acceptable. Fight me. You know, there was another gentleman that came before him that made some of the same mistakes that I think he's making. And J.J. Dillon, he may give him. Eric Bischoff has attempted to single-handedly destroy the heritage of this wonderful company that can be traced back for over 50 years. I shared it. I know I was part of it, and it's not acceptable. I am glad to say that J.J. Dillon is here, and maybe not. So what do you think, man? Watching that segment back 25 years later, uh, you couldn't help but get the little references in for, uh, you know, this is the mecca of wrestling now. This is the place to be. It's not New York. It's not Stanford, Connecticut. And then, you know, you're hitting the bite me lines. This is good character work. Is it not? Yeah, it was, but JJ Dillon, I think did an outstanding job. Again, yes, that was not rehearsed. There was no script. I mean, we talked through it. We knew what the job was, but it was not a, okay, I'm going to say this. When I say this, you say that. And right after you say that, I'm going to say this. And then you follow up. It was none of that. It's like, okay, let's just go out there. We knew what the job was. We knew what the end goal was. And the rest of it was improv. And I think JJ did JJ Dillon did had a better performance in that scene than I did. I really do. Phenomenal not job. To put him over, but I, I think he did a phenomenal job. Especially coming in. Because I knew the story. I knew the character. I was you know, JJ JJ Dillon's coming in and going, okay, what are we doing here? You know, what do you want me to do? And, and, and he's getting up to speed. That was just, that was great work by JJ. What's your time code, bro? Uh, I might be a, a little bit ahead of you. I'm 57, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. I see Reggie white in a little clip from last week. 
trying to uh, get nose to nose with Mongo and they're getting separated by WCW security here. Meltzer would recap your, uh, JJ debut and you introducing the world to bite me quote, basically another heel trying to get over as a cool baby face. And they continued to reference Bischoff as the most powerful man in the wrestling industry in the entire world. And Dylan even said two years ago, Stanford, Connecticut was the place, but it isn't anymore. Somehow they announced that Bagwell and Norton are still in the NWO, but that big Bubba who was injured and Michael wall street must return to WCW. Don't expect logic in any of this. This is probably where it started to get a little fuzzy and confusing about the NWO and all that, but man, at, at its top of the card, you know, the top line of the NWO is so strong. It kind of overcomes whatever's below it. Does it not? It does. And I think again, if, if you try to apply that much logic to this industry, there's not a match you watch. Well, I'm not going to say that there are very few matches that you'll watch in any wrestling program produced by anybody that makes any sense. Yeah. If you're, if you, when you're watching wrestling, if you're, you're coming at it, if you're the, the lens that you have in your wrestling glasses are that of logic, you're going to walk away frustrated every single time. So I, I, you know, I get what was said because who said it, but you're creating a battle between WCW and NWO. You've got the guy that is running the company deciding, nope, I like these guys better than these guys. So I'm going to favor them. It's pretty fucking basic. And then the details about, you know, wall street and uh, Scott Norton having to return because their contracts were flawed. I don't know. doesn't seem that illogical in an illogical creative fantasy world. Jesus Christ. Meltzer. So we're, we're getting a rematch here. Scotty Riggs versus Jeff Jarrett. Jeff was out first and they showed us a replay from WCW Saturday night. Yes. They were still doing Saturday night here in 97. And I know at this point it's a B show at best. Uh, it's very much an afterthought because nitro has just taken over, but just a few years prior to this WCW Saturday night was the flagship show. And I like the idea that we're going to show you something that happened on Saturday that had some, some consequence, some stakes a hot issue, what have you. And now we're getting, you know, the, the second act from that Scotty Riggs got a, an upset win over Jeff Jarrett, but he did put his feet on the ropes. Jeff was pissed off. So he gave him a pile driver after the bell. He's very much a heel. And here he is looking like Venetian blinds taking on Scotty Riggs. Venetian blinds in a whorehouse, man. Those are glittery Venetian blinds. This is like a battle of suspenders right here because Riggs is sporting them here too. <laughs> suspender mania, right? The, uh, there's going to be a really great promo, um, coming up here in just a moment. Uh, well, at, at some point we're going to see Kevin Nash really sort of go off a little bit and it's really, really good stuff. But of course the story here that we've been talking about with the horseman as we've been reliving 1997 is that Rick flair has been out injured. We're going to see Rick a little later in the program. Of course, Arn Anderson is. Uh, probably going to need some pretty substantial surgery and, and not in the best of ways. Chris Benoit has been embroiled in a hot issue with Kevin Sullivan. We saw a package on him earlier in the program, but then there's Mongo and he's got an issue with Jeff Jarrett, but seemingly Deborah is the monkey in the middle. So we're probably going to see Mongo here in just a little bit. And as we saw in the package right before this, 
just last week, Mongo was nose to nose with Reggie white, who we know is in the crowd. And there he is. So we're trying to, uh, add some context to what's been happening with Mongo and Reggie white, but either way, whether you're talking Kevin green or Reggie white or Mongo or Dennis Rodman, you guys certainly had an influx of big time professional athletes with some name value and recognition. And they're all over WCW programming here in 97. Yeah, they are indeed. And it really paid off. You know, we were getting, we were getting coverage on, you know, morning drive time, uh, big stations, big markets. We were getting coverage, you know, every Tuesday morning for free. Yeah. Just because of the way we utilize the talent. And they were just sitting there waving at the crowd. They got involved. We built story. We created crowd reaction for them. So we ensured ourselves by doing so a tremendous amount of media coverage that we could have never afforded to buy. And it was entertaining to watch too, by the way, it was fun. And here comes Mongo with that dreaded Halliburton. Oh, and Reggie white jumps right over the guardrail, which explains why he wasn't in the front row and grabs that, uh, briefcase. How about Reggie white's jacket? It's a leather jacket that says, uh, Jesus Christ on the back. I love that. Here we go. Riggs is setting up, uh, something. What's he, what's he looking for here? Oh, Jarrett's got it scouted. Down goes Riggs. That was a nasty tumble there. I'm catching up to you here, brother. My, my lack of commentary is just me trying to catch up to where we're at. Well, I'm at that one Oh three, 38, 39, 40, 41. And here comes the figure four. That's going to be all she wrote. Eric, I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw us a pause here at 103.51. So when you get to 103.51, hit a pause. And I'm taking a time out here to tell you about our friends at Blue Chew. Yep, that's right. This episode sponsored by Blue Chew. Everything on our program is sponsored by Blue Chew, of course, because we're coming to you live from the, the Blue Chew studios. But boys, it's time to dig yourself out of that winter hibernation. Spring is here, and it's time to get sprung with Blue Chew. This episode and Eric's wiener are sponsored by blue chew. Uh, guys, confidence can take you far in life. In fact, it can take you from a C string announcer to the most powerful man in wrestling. A friend of mine did it 25 years ago. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to, uh, <clears throat> step up to the plate. And that's and a friend of yours did that yesterday, but go ahead. <laughs> I hate to interrupt. <laughs> and I'm glad that blue chew was there for the hot tag. You see blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Now you can take these dudes anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead like Eric likes to, or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical professionals. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. It really is that simple. And here's the best part. It's all done online. Now that means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. That's right. The old red, white, and blue chew is prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package, but there won't be anything discreet about your package. You're going to, uh, <laughs> Be a top guy. How about that? So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code 83 weeks at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is 83 weeks to receive your first month for free. So visit bluechew.com for more details 
and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring today's podcast and Eric's Wayne. Uh, only that I'm thinking about getting a blue chew, blue chew tattoo on my junk, man. Okay. Well, listen, chicks, chicks love tattoos. Mrs. B digs a tattoo. She sees this baby. She gets all excited about it. I'm thinking, Hey, I wonder if there's such thing as a blue chew tattoo. Just I I can step out on a limb here and say that they would be glad to pay for that tattoo. But I'm also (laughs) saying that if we do that, we're going to have to get you an OnlyFans and start making some real money. The hell with Patreon. Whoa, wouldn't that be awesome? Eric Bischoff on OnlyFans. Wow. I was just kidding, but you know, these ladies in wrestling, they're making a bunch of money and, and and I sent a screenshot the other day where I saw one lady bragging about how much she had made in the wrestling space on OnlyFans. And I said, you know, Jeff, if we really want to level this up and you really want to take your income to the next level, it's like when you broke into business, you're going to have to spread your butt cheeks. He didn't think that was funny, but maybe if you're going to go, you know, blue chew Jones on your gimmick, on your hang low, I think we could, we could print money here at OnlyFans or you know why I like this idea? Cause I, you know, I like talking about the business of the wrestling business. And by the way, I encourage everybody to check us out on Tuesday. Strictly business on amfreeshows.com. This week, we're going to be talking a lot about licensing and our conversation about Wrath and Mortis and uh, Glacier is one of the things that made me think about doing that on Tuesday. So check that out. We're going to get into licensing. But in my case, like OnlyFans is starting to get really competitive, right? Because so many, you know, women are doing it, young, good-looking women and professional wrestlers and others are doing it. But no 67-year-old guy is doing it. I could carve out a niche because there is a bunch of 50, 55, 60, 65-year-old underserved women out there. And guess what? They have by far more discretionary income than most other women that are out there. Yes, they're a little bit older. The demo isn't nearly as attractive in some cases, but an Eric Bischoff OnlyFans account targeted towards those 50, 55, 60, 65-year-old women, I think we could print money. Well, look I want to hear what, we've got three women that follow us over at 83 Weeks. For crying out loud, let us know what you think. Would you buy, would you subscribe for, I don't know, Fourteen ninety nine a month to an Eric Bischoff OnlyFans account sponsored <sighs> by Blue Chew. Sponsored by Blue Chew, of course. Listen, here's yes. the deal: you can see that Eric's confidence off the chart. It's because he's been chomping these dudes left and right. You need to too. See what all the fuss is about. Get your gimmick going, baby. It's only five dollars shipping. You can try it for free. It's BlueChew.com. The promo code is eighty three weeks. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is eighty three weeks. And, uh, apparently Eric's still over with, uh, with moms and grandmas. So let's get going. I am so over with moms and grandmas. So <laughs> over. Maybe you should have, uh, maybe you should, your gimmick name should be nitro daddy. How about that? Ooh. Like I'm, I'm just saying there's a, a friend of ours. He's a comedian, not Cassio kid. I don't want to out the real comedian, but it's not Cassio kid, but that comedian's wife thinks you happen to be the most handsome devil in all of wrestling. And she refers to you behind your back as daddy with the good hair. And it makes us laugh, but I've just shared that with you. And I'm not going to say Corey Ryan Forster is the comedian, uh, but it's definitely not Casio. So I'm at one <laughs> hour, three minutes and 51 seconds. And we're going to do a little countdown here and press play in three, two, one. And just like a bad dream, Jeff Jarrett's still in the ring. I kind of hoped during our commercial break, he would just vanish and, and he did not. 
Although Effie's trying to get rid of him. I don't know if you saw that, but, uh, Jeff Jarrett's still doing his thing in the ring. And it looks like Effie's throwing down the challenge. Of course, uh, Jarrett beat him at Hammerstein in January. And I guess Effie's looking for a rematch. So stay is it going to happen or are they just talking? I don't know, man, but Effie's talking a big game. We'll see what happens. Jeff still loves being in the ring. Oh yeah, he does. He loves it. Jerry Lawler loves being in the ring. Something about it, you know, especially, I guess, with someone like Jeff, he's, this has been his life since he was what? 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Kind of hard to shake that. Look at that NWO stuff everywhere. You look NWO. The merch stuff is crazy. By the way, I want to mention this show got a 3.4 rating. Raw got a 2.8. I want to remind you the WWF is coming right off of a pay-per-view that had taker versus mankind and Brett versus Steve Austin. Uh, so that is a, a big time offering for them, but they only got a 2.8. You got a 3.4 raw is gaining a little bit of steam, but they're still woefully behind. Um, we see six walking to the ring here, looking as cool as ever. And here comes Kevin Nash. And I can't believe this is real, but six's opponent is going to be Ray Mysterio. Think about, Ooh, this will be fun. Yes, sir. And, and of course, Kevin Nash is on the outside. Stay tuned towards the end of the match. We're going to see a little interaction with Kevin Nash and Rey Mysterio. And then Nash is going to cut quite the promo. Uh, What's our time code here, bro? I'm at uh, 105, 51, 52, 53. All right. Thank you, sir. Let me tell you what happened here in the observer. Uh, Rick Flair, Kevin Green, and Roddy Piper did an interview. This was the most interesting. To translate into reality, what they said stems from a meeting a week earlier where Kevin Nash, Bischoff, Flair, and Piper were together to talk about problems with the Charlotte main event. Since Hogan didn't want to do the pay-per-view, Flair and Piper didn't want Six as the sub in the main event, feeling like a star like Green involved, that Six wasn't a big enough name in pro wrestling from a main event credibility standpoint, to be in the main event position. Nash argued that given the talent in the match, that six would be the only one who could make the match and pretty much insulted the current age and condition of flair and Piper in doing so, and actually called flair a comedy act. It wound up with flair and Piper feeling that Nash had no respect for who they were in the business and what they'd accomplished and what they'd gone through in the old days to get there. And there's still considerable heat from the uncensored pay-per-view where Nash cut off Piper and wouldn't sell for him with the feeling that Nash didn't respect Piper's status as a legend. Although Nash's side is apparently that he was setting Piper up for a spot where he would sell for him, but Piper couldn't improvise and instead began doing spots with Savage who he trusted to make him look good. And of course, Nash felt that Flair and Piper had no respect for the current stars and felt the only real stars were the guys from their generation. So that explains the interview. No doubt you can figure Flair is frustrated when the company he saved and carried is paying more money to Nash than to him, but that's the reality of being at the right place at the right time. Piper ranted and raved and made no sense, although he's been overexposed on television of late to the point that a lot of people are now picking up on it and he may be on the verge of losing steam in a hurry. Piper was so frustrated, mad, screwed up, take your pick, that he couldn't even say Piper's pit or make sense trying to get over his history. Green chimed in about rookies who make big money that don't want to work hard, start practice early, stay late, or study game films, 
So they obviously got him fired up about the quote unquote young guys with no respect for the veterans. Although Nash is like 38 years old, so he's hardly a rookie. And Flair went on a strange speech about his life, which at least made a semblance of sense. I don't know how people who don't read this newsletter can possibly make heads or tails out of these interviews nowadays. With 2.8 million homes tuned in while that interview was taking place, those three guys did an interview for exactly one person, Kevin Nash, who was probably laughing his way through it and a lot of wrestlers backstage behind their backs because they all exposed a lot of their insecurity. So it's also in the observer that it's only supposed to go three minutes and it went nine minutes and people are banging their heads against the wall. We're going to see this interview in the fallout. We're also going to see where Kevin Nash does his own comeback here saying that Piper is one brain cell away from being in a coma and complaining that Piper and flair took everything from the business, gave nothing back, stripped it and left it a mess for guys of his generation to put back together. He said WCW would only push sons of wrestlers when he got started. And of course he's talking about Dustin Rhodes and Eric Watts. And that even though he was a little green back then, Scott Hall could have been a superstar, but WCW held him back. So they had to go to New York. And he talked about the old days of flair riding around in a limo and drinking the wine and chasing ugly women while Nash and company were three to a car in a rented Ford Taurus drinking cheap booze. It was one hell of an interview. Six claimed all Ric Flair was as someone who stole Buddy Rogers' nickname, gimmick, and hold. So this is going to get very, very real, and it starts right after this match as we see Six having a lot of fun with a Bronco Buster on Rey Mysterio. By the way, we're talking over a really great match. I don't know that Ray and Waltman are capable of having a bad match, but 1995, 96, 97 Rey Mysterio is otherworldly, and Waltman is still in the best shape of his life and can still do it. And it's still probably the measuring stick. So go out of your way to see this, but the real story is not the match, but what happens after the match. Do you remember this conversation that allegedly happened a week prior where there were some frustrations about six and maybe Nash even insinuating that these guys were a comedy act now? I don't remember the converse, the, the conversation per se, but I remember the tension building over this period of time, I, I may or may not have been witness to that conversation and it probably didn't come off exactly the way or even remotely the way Dave reported it because Dave certainly wasn't there. Right. So how he did a play by play on that conversation in a room where, that he wasn't in, I have no idea. Um, but I do remember there was tension and look, there was, here's a good thing about blurring the lines right? and and not knowing if it's real or scripted, you know, in the ring that works almost perfectly. In fact, that should be, it's not anymore, but it should be the goal is to present this combat in a way that it's believable and you, you get invested in it, in the outcome. Um, what we were doing, which had not really been done before, certainly not to the degree we were doing it on nitro was blurring the lines between reality and fiction. And we, we did it any number of times, but this is one of them where guys would go out and they would half-ass shoot on promos. And I I'll disagree. I'll, I'll agree and disagree in, in Dave's observation in the, in that three page comment that he made was that if you're not following in the dirt sheets, you're not going to know what's going on, which is pretty self-serving. I get it. 
some of it was a little inside baseball, right? Yeah. And even if you were reading Dave's dirt sheet, you wouldn't understand it because the motherfucker can't write a sentence that anybody can really understand. But we did we did get a little too inside baseball from time to time. But the way that was just laid out based on what was actually said on TV so that we could see it, that was edgy shit. Now, here's the problem with edgy shit. It's like, here's a problem with a really good joke. Really good jokes are really funny because they're partially true. Right? Yeah. A really good promo is a really good promo when you're talking about conflict because it's partially true. And I'm not suggesting that anything that Kevin said was true, but it was true from Kevin's point of view. It was true from the point of view of guys who were in Kevin's era and younger and just starting out of the business, even though they were immature and they weren't there and they didn't really understand the totality of what Flair and Piper contributed during their era and all the things that they had to go through. If you're a young guy coming up and you're seeing Rick Flair and Roddy Piper, um, you may not get it because you're inexperienced and young. And you don't have a good perspective, but nonetheless, you feel it and you believe it. And that's a lot of what Kevin said from Kevin's perspective was how they really felt. And that's where you run the risk of going too far. And then it gets personal in a very unhealthy way. It's exactly what happened. Let's check in with this. This is looking awful good. So what happens here is, uh, as you see Kevin Nash trying to separate Waltman from the security here, um, they're putting Ray Mysterio on a stretcher because he's just been jackknife power bombed uh, by Kevin Nash. I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. I thought he was wrestling Sean Waltman. He was, but then he snuck in the back door. Uh, he being Kevin Nash and nailed him with a power bomb. And that's enough. Ray Mysterio's out of here. Poor Ray. At this point, he's been lawn darted. And he's been power bombed, and JJ Dillon's having none of it. James J. Dillon, as much as anything else, realizing that physically he cannot go after the NWO, but he's letting the NWO know, Mike, that he, we will not tolerate this happening on our television programs. Defending your titles, going after the titles, that's another thing. Trying to put people out of this sport will not be tolerated. Well, it's important to have that power balanced. There's one man out there, a part of WCW, who agrees with James J. Dillon, one of the most powerful men ever. The total package Lex Luger. There goes the meat wagon. Little uh, package here on Lex Luger. Um, I like that little scene that we saw there, you know, it yep. showed it that, felt real, didn't it? Yeah. Nash is a threat, right? And it, it, and it furthered the story of the conflict between the NWO and WCW. It actually makes it more believable now that I've been kind of neutered. Yeah. 
and, and they've taken, you know, control away from me. Yes, I'm still there. They can't keep me from being in front of a camera, which according to Dave Meltzer would make absolutely no sense because everybody knows the company's writing the television show. So therefore, how would, how, how would the fact that even I have a contract make any logical sense at all? if you're going to do a look at wrestling through that lens. And I'm happy to have that conversation about any wrestling product that's on the air right now, from the things that are going on in the ring to the things that are going outside of the ring. My biggest fucking pet peeve, by the way, is when talent makes their own matches. You want to talk about something that makes no logical sense whatsoever, Dave, is when wrestling talent is allowed and permitted to make their own matches. How about that? Yeah. Bitch. That's just one example. I forgot what we were talking about. Well, how about, uh, your old pal Lee Marshall here checking in all these years later, 1-800 collect is still having their ads played directly on the peacock. Now I don't even think that's a thing. I mean, who even is 1-800 collect a thing. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a thing. We're going to find out right here on the air, brother. Oh, you're going to check it out. 800 C O. Yeah. L L. It's one 5328 It's operated by VIIZ Communications. How about that? Hold on, hold on. I got to do that again. What's the number? Just give me the number thing. If I have to spell it, I one 5328 It's pretty crazy that that was such a big part of the ads back in this era. <laughs> I used to have the whole doubt. But- Thank you for calling 1800 Collect. Wow. Powered by Wynac Tell. Now, we can also assist you in making collect calls to wireless numbers. For rate information, please wait for Mr. There you go. It's a thing. Yeah. They're still making money. Here's Hulk Hogan in a, in a package from the set of his new movie. Everybody is saying, how do, you, how do you juggle being the NWO World's Heavyweight Champion and also a superstar in the movie industry? Seeing how the WCW is full of cowards. I had plenty of time to hang out. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And the first thing I'd like to do is thank the Brotherhood of the NWO. One of my greatest areas is the New York City area. And everybody thought that I would put a man at the helm. I didn't find a man. I found a woman. Yeah, the only ruling queen of the NWO. You align yourself with the best. How do you do it? Sting's hiding. He's scared to death. Lexi, Lexi, don't want no part of Hollywood. Lolly Roddy Piper, that bone marrow white shoe sale. Sure don't want no Hollywood. First NWO movie produced. Be my position. Directed. And action. Starring. Myself. This is going to knock the world of Hollywood over the edge. My plan for the future, my initial operation will probably destroy everybody in our way and make us God, I don't remember any of this. the tops in the world. We shall body slam Hollywood just like we did <laughs> the WCW. That whole crew is NWO. Open channel NWO for life. That was, that was insane. Great segment. Grace Jones, Robert Vaughn. They're all sporting NWO stuff really on the set uh, uh, of a new Hollywood production. 
Uh, and how cool and on brand is that for Hollywood Hogan? Nice little piece it, of business there. It, it, it actually was, but do you remember the name of the movie? Cause I honestly, I don't know if I even saw that when it was live. I don't think I did. Wow. That's fun. Robert Vaughn. Was wasn't he the man from uncle? That's way before your time. Call your dad. Let's let me call Larry. The, the name of the movie is <laughs> Mackenzie's Island. That came out in 1998. Wow. A secret agent finds a treasure map and decides to find the loot, but he's not the only one. And it got uh, on a scale of one to 10, 3.1. On Rotten Tomatoes or something like that? Yeah, IMDb. Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes gave it, though, since you brought it up. Oh, no, no score there from the tomato meter, but the audience score is 21%. Now, this is the, the promo we were talking about. Unfortunately, it's a uh, very, very B squad. We got Virgil, we got uh, Scott Norton. We got fake sting. We got Waltman. We got buff Bagwell and we got Kevin Nash, but Kevin Nash is about to blister some motherfuckers, a tremendous promo that I remembered almost word for word, 25 years later, let's track it. You know, I don't say too much, but I heard banana nose flare out here last week with Piper. And he said a few things that kind of made me think. Wow. He was talking about this new generation of guys not having any respect. Well, Ric Flair, I know a little bit about the history of this sport. And I want to ask you something right now. What kind of respect is it? Ripping one of the legends of this sport off, the nature boy, Buddy Rogers. You rip his name off, you rip his look off, and you rip the figure four off from him. You're a biter, Ric Flair. And I got no respect for you, and very little for you either, Piper. And if you got any sack whatsoever, You'll do something about it, because I don't sweat either one of you. Ouch. Where is Scott Hall in all of this? He's still not here. All right. If you guys hold it down, we can get this done real quick. Last week, Ronnie Piper came out here and said that he had laid asphalt and cut down trees. He called the NWO a bunch of morons and stupid and what have you. Well, Piper, let me tell you something. Coming from a guy that if he had one less synapse firing in his brain, he'd be in a coma, I don't think too much about that. When I came into this business seven years ago, I looked down the road that you guys paid for us I saw nothing but potholes. You guys came into the business, you strip-minded, you took what you could get out of it, and you left the young guys behind you, nothing. WCW was nothing but a bunch of guys pushing their sons. If you didn't have a dad in the business, you couldn't even get an opportunity. Scott Hall was here, I was here. Scott Hall was ready to become a superstar. Hey, I was a little green, but Scott Hall was ready to become a superstar. And you know what you did? 
He worked here a year. He proved himself. You cut his salary. So he went elsewhere. We went to New York. That's right. We went to New York. And what did we find when we got there? That's right. Stayed all night, danced a little longer. Party time. When we got there, there wasn't no party. Just punishment for the guys trying to dig the business out of the funk you guys left it in. Wow. Oh, it's right. Pulling no Where punch. I come from, which ain't too far from here, south side of Detroit. You don't give respect. You don't get respect. You better beat respect out of me, boys. It's our turn to shine. It's the new generation's turn to shine. There's some young, young lions up here, and it's time for us to get more than a nibble on the carcass, boys. So while you guys decide to do the limo flying, the limo driving, the, the, the Lear jets, the champagne, the ugly broads. Me and my crew have decided we got no problem flying commercial. We got no problem piling three in a rented Taurus. Cause what we're gonna do, baby, is kick back, drink a little McForty ounce, and try the best we can to patch the potholes that you guys have left behind. NWO for life! How about that for a promo? Wow. That's one of the best promos Kevin Nash ever did. Wow. And again, the danger in that is that you can cut a little too close to the bone. Yes. Which I'm, and that's not the only time that that's happened. Right. But had there been enough communication between the parties involved? So everybody kind of knew what to expect. It, it probably wouldn't have created much of an issue, but when you don't communicate, you know, Kevin doesn't pull somebody aside and say, Hey, look, this is kind of where I'm going to go. And it's going to get a little close to the bone. Are you cool with that? Chances are you're going to get sure. Everybody wants to make money. Everybody right. wants that kind of heat, right? Out of a, out of a promo. Sure. It just sets it up perfectly. But when you don't communicate with your dance partners in this case, and you decide to take that scalpel scalpel and cut so close to the bone, um, that it causes an issue. It's unfortunate, but that, that was a great promo. That was believable. It set up the story. It put the context of WCW and NWO uh, right there in the forefront, the context of the battle between this young and the old. I mean, it's, oh, my God. I mean, it's awesome. That was just awesome. When, when wrestling promos are great, man, there ain't nothing better. And speaking of great, here comes DDP, uh, freshly minted as, as, as a major player in WCW. No, he hasn't yet won a bunch of gold or become the world champ. 
but gone are the gimmicks. He's no longer smoking a cigar and carrying a toothpick and chewing gum at the same time. Uh, he's got his Elton John glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> he's back to just being the DDP that we knew and loved. And boy, this t-shirt is about to be on fire. Of course, this is the month where he's headlining spring stampede, uh, with macho man. And he's in a hot issue with, with macho man. And of course it's all about Kimberly. So she's accompanying him to ringside, which wasn't always the case, but it very much is here. Um, but man, the crowd is with him. They're excited and they love the diamond cutter and he's got a great dance partner in psychosis, but this is very much the era where the diamond cutter is arguably, and I don't even know that it's arguable, the hottest move in wrestling at this point. I know stone cold stunner is going to get to another level, but that really gets turned all the way up. Uh, towards the end of the year, we're still just fresh off of WrestleMania 13. So people are paying attention to the move, but I don't think it's until he hits Vince McMahon with it in September, but check this out. Here we go. Let's track it. And he got it. Oh From the top rope. Out of nowhere. That's how he does it. Out of nowhere. Bang. This man has more variations on that finishing hold. It was a minute long start to finish, but everybody's standing. Everybody's throwing up the diamond cutter. That move is over like Rover. They're ready for it and they got it. Um, and then here comes macho man and he's talking that shit from the stands. Ooh, yeah. <sighs> and DDP's looking for him. Look at this. He'll find him. DDP. Diamond Dallas Page. Can you feel the madness all around you? If you can't feel the madness, ask Kimberly. Cause she sure felt it. Yes, she has. They're looking for a microphone to re- give a rebuttal here. What's wrong, brother? Here we go. You know, Savage, you ain't going to bait me again. You see, I ain't got my running shoes on, monkey boy. I got my wrestling boots on. Oh, yeah. And if you think you want some of DDP... Why don't you and that bimbo Liz hobble your asses down right now? He's calling him out. Well, Savage is on crutches. He can't make it down there. A man told me not too long ago, talk is cheap. Let's see what happens here. But look at Savage. He wants to go. He wants to go to that ring. Or does he? That's a good question, too. Or does he? It's not the NWO style to attack you straight on, now is it? Not usually. Isn't it interesting that just saying that Bimbo Liz, I mean, that's all it was, and that got a big pop. You know, less is more sometimes. God, isn't that the truth? And here's the other thing I was thinking when I was listening to Randy. 
I don't know anybody that can't do a Randy Savage impersonation. Yeah, it's so easy. It's one of the easiest ones to do, brother. Everybody can do it. But when you hear Randy do it, it's not an impersonation. But when you hear Randy, it's it just brings back so many great memories. I really miss Randy Savage. Really do. So he now we're such a unique cat. We've got the uh, tit for tat coming here because here comes Roddy Piper, the nature boy himself. And of course, bringing up the rear Kevin green. Did I ever tell you about the time I met Kevin green in real life? No, Uh, I'm uh, going with my mom to visit my grandmother in South Alabama. We had moved to Gunnersville. She still, my grandmother still lived in Prattville. We're on our way down. We stopped somewhere in Birmingham uh, or around Birmingham at a cracker barrel and have lunch. Uh, I go to the restroom. I come back. Mom is uh, paying at the register and someone shoves me. I turn around. It's Kevin green. Great interaction. Great stuff. He will be missed. Take a listen to what Rick's got to say here in response. Me and Gene. Short and brief. Let's assume it guys. There's nothing to talk about. Why don't you guys come out here right now and start paving the highway? Oh. Woo. Come on, come on, pave the highway now. NWO, Nash, come on down here. Six, now, pave the highway. Well, I think the talking is over. They're ready to go. The icon is ready. Tony, Bobby, I think we just got an invitation that's going to be taken up here tonight. Here they come. You're going to see a fight like you've never seen before. Man, you know, the six-man slamboree that we've all been waiting for is going to start right here in Saginaw, Michigan. So I love that little skit. Less is more. Look at Kevin Green doing drills in the background. But take a look. It's the big reveal. It's time. Let's go. Look at this. It's Scott Hall. There's Scott Hall. Sweet. He's missing in action no longer. I guess Scott Hall will be at slamboree. Something they've concocted. It's a plan. So the NWO, and there you see the trio that'll be playing the ring. Here they come. Quit chewing your mouth off and let's go. The talk's over. Doesn't this feel real? I'm feeling a lot of things right now. This is just so good. Yeah, it feels so real because part of it is. It's look at the crowd. I mean, when I, you hear me drone on and on and on and on about storytelling, this is it right here. Yeah. This is it. And nobody watching this at home or standing up and cheering this on is criticizing the quality of a move. No, they're lost in the emotion. They're living vicariously through the characters that they're cheering for or against. They're invested. This is what investment looks like on a wrestling show. You know what else is great though here, Eric, is it was the B team that jumped in there against, you know, the the six man trio of Kevin Green, Piper, and Flair. It was and I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm just saying they didn't give you Waltman Hall and Nash. You gotta buy the pay per view if you want to see that. But yeah, okay, we'll feed them Buff and we'll feed them Virgil and we'll feed them Fake Sting or whatever. 
and we'll surprise him with Hall at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just meant as far as getting in to do physicality. Yeah. They haven't touched yet. But yeah, the big reveal of, of Scott Hall, especially given what's happened now, present day in 2022, I don't know how we could watch this and not feel a certain type of way. And there you go. Flair's got him by the hair. And now that everybody's interacting, and now it's a Donnybrook, and we're going off the air. We got to go. Classic God, Nitro. Was, great stuff. That was magic right there. That's That last segment was magic. Thank you for picking this show. I, I don't think I ever watched this show while I was producing it. I wasn't watching it. So this was just so cool. Thank you. Thank everybody listening to this. This was really fun. It was a really, really fun show. And next week we're going to be doing some more fun stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, lockdown from 2012. Uh, so we're going to have team Garrett, which is AJ styles, Austin Aries, Austin Aries, Garrett Bischoff, Mr. Anderson, and Rob Van Dam against team Eric. That's right. Garrett versus Eric with bully, Christopher Daniels, Eric Bischoff, Gunner, and Kazarian. If team Garrett wins, Eric has to renounce his name and leave TNA. If Eric wins, Garrett has to leave TNA, which will be fun. There's other matches, but that one will be especially fun considering who we're doing the show with here. This was a really fun episode, man. I'm glad we got to do it. As a reminder, you guys just thumped raw in the head. It was a 3.4 to a 2.8. Uh, we're nearing the end of the show and now feels like the time where we should talk about, unfortunately, the end of our life. And we don't talk about this all the time because it's not fun to think about, but I just want to ask you a couple of quick questions. You have car insurance, but you might not get an accident, but you want to protect your car. You have health insurance, but you might not get sick, but you want to make sure if you do, you're covered. You have homeowner's insurance and you know, maybe a hurricane or a tornado won't hit your house, but just in case you've got it. What about your family? Are you actually protecting your family? I'm talking about life insurance for yourself. 97% of our listeners are males. And it's a sad fact that most of us are going to leave this earth before our female spouses do, or, you know, whatever your situation is. The reality is this. If you don't have life insurance, you've not really probably planned properly to take care of your family. If they lost your income tomorrow, what would they do? This is something I didn't have to think about. I didn't think until in the last two years, I lost two friends of mine in their forties. They were both married, both had kids. And it became crystal clear to me. I didn't have enough life insurance. I went to goliathlife.com. Now why I'm recommending goliathlife.com is because they shortcut the process. You see, I realized that you could turn this podcast off and go look up a hundred different carriers. But there's only one place I know of where you can get 20 carrier quotes in one place, goliathlife.com. Think about how much time that's going to save you. You get one quote from goliathlife.com and they will return you 20 different returns. Think about that. There's over 20 carriers that will quote you what your life insurance could be. You get to sort by what's the cheapest, what's the best coverage, what has the most favorable terms. And not only that, they'll even send someone to you. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. They'll send them to you. They actually sent somebody to my office, got it done. And now my family's protected and yours should be too. Goliathlife.com makes this easy, uh, but I can't recommend it enough. It's an important part that we don't talk about as men, but again, we make sure our houses are protected. We make sure our cars are protected. We make sure our personal health. What about our doggone family? Who's going to take care of our family when we can no longer do it? Goliath life can be that peace of mind that you need. I encourage you just go check it out. It costs nothing to take a look. Goliathlife.com. That's G O L I T H L I F E.com. 
And Eric, you and I have not really spent a lot of time talking about life insurance, but I'm sure even you agree it's something everybody needs. Yeah. Isn't it? I'll speak for myself, not for everybody, but for me, um, never thought about it. Right. Healthy. Always been pretty healthy. I've done crazy shit, flown airplanes, driven motorcycles, jumped out of airplanes. I always, you know, you, you get that feeling like, oh, I'm invincible. Yeah. I never get sick. I don't have to worry about life insurance, whatever. Oh, I'm riding horses along up on a mountain, 10,000 feet up uh, on a horse trail, eight inches wide. Oh, there's nothing underneath me. I don't need to worry about life insurance. I'm good. I'm invincible until you're not. And if you just take the time to really put yourself in a situation that you were just talking about, what happens if yeah. something were to happen, even though you think you're invincible, you're not. Yeah. What happens if, how do you want your family to live the rest of their lives? Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a tough question. No one wants to think about, but it's probably one of the most important questions you can ask yourself. Yeah. And, and realistically, you know, I know that most of the folks, I, Eric, you and I get up and, and, and we work hard every day, but I mean, you know, me, man, I'm working hard from the minute I wake up until I go to bed just 24 seven. But what about when that stops? Because I stopped, I don't want my family's quality of life to stop. So I've got to make sure that that's there. Goliathlife.com gives me that peace of mind. Check it out get a quote. You'll be glad you did. That's Goliathlife.com. And Eric, I can't thank you enough for the time today, man. I know that we've watched a few, uh, nitros this year already, but 1997 nitros, I just don't think it gets more fun. And this on the surface doesn't seem like a significant show, but you look at all the undercard. Remember, I mean, at this point we've been recording for two hours, I guess, or whatever it is, but we started the show with Eugene Nagata and Dean Malenko. And along the way, we got Sean Waltman and Ray Mysterio. And then we got that great interaction with that incredible Kevin Nash promo and Ric Flair's response and Hogan's on the set. And we had that great JJ Dillon interaction. Just a great show, man. Every segment was awesome. It makes me, I don't know. Remember the good old days of professional wrestling. I still enjoy some stuff today. But 1997, man, it's like, I don't know. Grandma's cooking. It's great stuff. It was magic. Thank you, man, for picking it. Thanks for, thanks for checking it out, guys. Don't forget adfreeshows.com. You get all these shows early and ad free. You got the business of the business being discussed every Tuesday, uh, with Eric Bischoff and John Alba. And this Thursday I'll be jumping on with Taz and Sabu as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of that very first ECW pay-per-view barely legal. It's all happening at adfreeshows.com. And I don't want to spill the beans, Eric, but I thought there was a person we might never be able to talk about wrestling with. You sent me their number this week. I don't want to say who it is or what it is. Cause we haven't worked out all the details, but if we pull this off over at adfreeshows.com, it'll be the first time this person I think has ever spoken on the record about wrestling in any capacity like this, right? I think so. I'll have to go back and search my memory just a little bit longer, but I think you may be right. It's going to be a good one. I don't think there's ever been a podcast or audio or video. Maybe you gave a quote here or there, uh, but this is going to be special. And, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how exciting is the announcement we're working on that we'll have out here in a couple of weeks? I, I, I honestly, gosh, you, you know, you, you brought me up to speed before we even hit record this morning and. I, I was ready to get up and start jumping up and down, doing jumping jacks and push-ups. I was so excited. Um, it, it is. There's just so many great things going on uh, with all the different, the, the podcast heat network and adfreeshows.com and all the things that go along with it. It's going to be an amazing year, and I'm really glad to be a part of it. 
Stay tuned. A big announcement coming soon right here on 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.